How many of you are glad to be in church this morning? Are you glad or are you just not, are you, are you glad? You're glad. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I want to just thank everybody that really helped us with regards to those bricks. You know, it is a milestone, as my wife was saying, and, and, and we do want to make a big deal of it because um, 150,000 bricks is 150,000 bricks. And, and we want to thank each and every one of you for your generosity, your love, and your commitment. I know that we still have a ways to go with regards to our chairs, but we just continue faithfully. Amen. Sowing. If you're generous at heart, then it automatically just flows out of there. Amen. So if you have your Bibles this morning, um, I want to just turn with you to 1 Kings chapter 19. And uh, again, this sermon is part two. I did part one last week. The sermon outline is available uh, on your church app, uh, which you, I'm sure by now, have downloaded. And you can follow with us on the various uh, slides that will come up. There's words that are missing. All you have to do is just uh, type in those words. And if you get the wrong word, it will auto-correct it for you as well, which I think is pretty cool. But we want you to have those notes. So the cool thing is that you can email those notes to yourself, and in that way you can have the notes. And if you feel you know, the, the, the need to share those notes uh, at a life group or maybe at work or maybe, uh, I don't know, in any place, you can do that. But we want you to be blessed uh, by uh, the sermon outline and by the scriptures. We want you to go back and rehearse. I, I, I've had so many people come and testify and say, Pastor, you know what you preached on Sunday, not because of me, but because of the Lord just using any vessel and it so happens to be me, it can be anybody standing up here, but the Lord using the vessel and taking that message, and they go home and they rehearse, they listen to it over and over and over until it gets into their spirit. And just the, the wisdom that comes, you know, the victory that comes, the way that God begins to open up things for them in their lives, in their marriages, and in their businesses, and that's what it really is. It's that word being quickened to you. So here in 1 Kings chapter 19, uh, verse 19, we're going to pick it up. And so it says, So he departed from there, that's Elijah, and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him. And he was with the 12th. And then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And verse 20 says, And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Please let me kiss my, my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? And so Elisha turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people, and they ate and then he arose and followed Elijah and became his servant. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word today once again, it is not by my might nor by my power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the anointing that you said breaks the yoke of every bondage. And even as your word comes, I thank you that it is uh, saturated with the anointing. It is heavily laden, pregnant with the miracles of God, pregnant with the possibilities of God, that you said, Lord, in Psalm uh, 119, that the entrance of your words 
produces light and it gives understanding to the simple. And I want to thank you that without your word, we're lost. Without your word, we have no direction. But I thank you that the entrance of your word today, there's an entrance, God, that your word enters our hearts. Your word enters our situations. Lord, even those that are finding themselves in challenging times, I thank you that your word has permission to enter into those challenging, troubling times. I want to thank you that whatever we are uh, facing right now, that your word has permission to enter and to bring in the possibilities of God, to bring in the miracles of God. And we declare that what is impossible with man is possible with you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Turn to somebody and tell them, pick up your mantle. Come on, look at somebody and tell them, hurry up now. Come on, pick up your, pick up your mantle. Pick up your mantle. Hallelujah. So, of course, when we talk about a mantle, we're not talking about your grandmother's mantelpiece, okay? And we're not talking about a Superman cape or a Batman cape, amen? We know in the Old Testament that there were physical mantles that the people wore. And last week, I went through all that, the meaning of those mantles and significance of that. And we're not going to talk about that. But just to let you know that every one of us has a mantle that has been tailor-made just for you. Can you believe that? Would you look at somebody and tell them, can you believe it? There's a mantle tailor-made just for you. I didn't even know I had a tailor, but I have a tailor. And he tailor-made a mantle that fits my giftings and my abilities, that's able to wrap around my marriage. Come on. Some people are so spiritually minded that the marriage has become dysfunctional. No, your mantle covers your marriage as well. Your mantle covers your business as well. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. So we're going to do part two. And as we look at part two, uh, the Bible simply says that Elijah came to Elisha and he passed him by and simply threw his mantle on him. In the New Century Version, verse 19 says, Elijah came up to Elisha, took off his coat, and put it on Elisha. And then in the New Living Translation, it says, Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. I find that quite interesting because a lot of the times when I sense the anointing, I feel like a heavy weight that comes on my shoulders I don't know if anybody else has felt that, but there's been many a times where I feel that heavy weight or even like a heat that comes and rests on my shoulders. But the important thing when we look at the Scripture is we find that Elisha was just simply plowing. He was busy working. He was simply plowing. He was out in the fields plowing. Elijah came to him, threw his mantle upon him, and uh, basically just uh, that's what Elijah did. And we need to understand that in the Hebrew, that word means that all the action was initiated by Elijah. Elisha was simply plowing. He was simply doing what, you know, what he found his hand to do. He was busy, and Elijah came and threw that mantle upon him, and all the action was initiated by Elijah. 
And the Bible says that Elisha was busy with 12 yoke of oxen. And last week I said to you that, you know, to have 12 yoke of oxen meant that you had a bit of moolah. I mean, you were, you were wealthy. So Elisha came from a wealthy family, came from a wealthy background. Hallelujah. In other words, it wasn't like Elisha was a failure and didn't know what to do. He was, uh, came from a very prosperous family, a wealthy family, a successful family. And here we see that he busied himself with where he found himself. He busied himself with where he found himself. And not only was he busy, but he was also busy with another man's set of oxen. So I want you to know in my next slide that Elisha was faithful with another man's oxen. Say faithful. Come on. If you can't be faithful with another man's set of oxen, how is the Lord ever going to give you your own? But the Bible says Elisha was faithful with another man's field. Hallelujah. He was faithful in another man's field. He labored in another man's field and was faithful with what the Lord had entrusted to him. In other words, Elisha could be trusted. I want to encourage you today, family, those of you that are watching. By, by the way, welcome to the conference center, people. Uh, I want to encourage you today. If you are working for others, then it means that you are working in another man's field. Lift your hand and say, if I am working for someone else, then I am working in another man's field. And if you are faithful in what is not yours, then it means that God can trust you and release to you your own field. Can I get an amen in this place? Remember, the Bible teaches that we own nothing. We are simply stewards that are looking after what God has entrusted in our hands. Which brings me to my next slide. Don't let your attitude jeopardize your blessing. You say, Pastor, what, what, what do you mean by that? Uh, by that I mean don't let your attitude toward your boss, toward your workplace, don't let your attitude jeopardize your promotion, jeopardize your reward, jeopardize your increase, and jeopardize your blessing. Hallelujah. Lift your hands all over this place, run across the social media network, and say, I will not allow my attitude, I will not allow my attitude to jeopardize my blessing in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And so we see here that simply Elisha was busy with his business plowing when the call of God came. When Elijah came, he found that Elisha was busy and simply threw his mantle upon him. And here's my point. It's a lot easier for you and I to pick up our mantle when we are busy working, when you know how to work, when you are not afraid to work. Bump your neighbor. No, don't bump your neighbor, sorry. I, I was told not to say that. I apologize. Do not bump your neighbor. But turn to your neighbor and tell them, I am a worker. I'm not afraid to work. I'm not afraid to work. I'm not afraid to work. Why do we say that? Because it's a principle that we find in Scripture that God uses people that are busy. If you look at Jesus, Jesus was busy as a carpenter. If you look at Peter and John, they were busy as fishermen. What was Matthew? He was busy as a tax collector. Or in other words, he worked for SARS. 
He, wor he worked for SARS. How many people, do we have anybody working for SARS here? Keep your hand down. We don't want to know. But Matthew was working for SARS. Paul was busy as a tent maker. The Bible says that Moses was on the backside of the desert looking after his father-in-law's sheep. He was busy looking after the sheep, and what happened? And suddenly he turned, and he saw a burning bush. That's when the call of God came. That's when the mantle came for Moses to do what God had told him to do. Hallelujah. What about David? David, where was David when the prophet came to the house of Jesse? Huh? Was he watching Egoli? He was watching Egoli, pastor. No, he was out in the field watching the sheep, hallelujah. He was out tending the sheep. And Samuel came, seven of the sons passed by, and they said, do you have another one? Yeah, he's out busy, bring him, because God uses busy people. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody and tell them God uses busy people. If you're not busy, get busy. Look at somebody and tell them, if you're not busy, get busy. There's always something to do. There's always something to do. Hallelujah. When you think about Adam, the first man that was ever created, the Bible says he was busy. Busy doing what? He was tending and keeping the Garden of Eden. Adam was busy. He was a busy person. And I believe that when he got lazy and idle and full of apathy and neglected his work, that that was when he opened himself to the enemy. Somebody once said that idle time is the devil's play. Idle, in other words, the devil always finds things for idle hands to do. Huh? Is, is, that, a, is, that, is, that, what it has, is that how it goes? The devil finds what? Work for idle hands. But idle time is the devil's play. And so the Bible says Elisha was busy, and he was busy plowing. There he was in the field, busy plowing. You know, there's something about plowing. Elisha was actually a plowman. And to be a plower or a plowman or for a, a plow woman, for that matter, you have to be of a certain disposition to be a plowman. You have to, there's got to be a certain ruggedness and a certain toughness and a certain endurance on the inside of you. Why? Because plowing demanded long hours and a hard work through every kind of season, every day, whether it was raining, whether it was snowing, whether it was hot, you were out there in the field, and it demanded long hours and hard work every single day. And Elisha's plowing was a mark of his character. His plowing was a mark of his character. And not only that, but something else about plowing, when you plow, I've never plowed, by the way, but I'm told that when you plow, you have to start in a certain place, and then you have to stay in your lane, and you have to continue until you have finished plowing your lane. In other words, you have to have the ability to be, to be a plowman and to Plow means you have to have the ability to stay the course. Can I get an amen in this place? In other words, whatever you start as a plowman, you have to finish. Elisha was a finisher. 
Oh, I don't know about you, but I didn't come all this way, all this way serving God, all this way through COVID-19, and we're almost in November. I didn't come all this way to throw the towel in at the end. You might have gone to hell and back, but you are here, and you are here. Why? Because you stayed the course, and you are a finisher. Lift your hands and say, I'm staying the course because I am a finisher. Say it again. I'm staying the course because I'm a finisher. One more time. I'm staying the course because I am a finisher. And then something else about plowing, not, not just having a toughness and endurance and staying in your lane and what you start, you got to finish, but also plowing was done out in the open. In other words, your work was exposed for all to see. Elisha's plowing was open for all to see. And I believe that the kingdom of God and all we do for the Lord is not done in an underhanded, sneaky kind of a way. Our lives are open books to be read by all who come into contact with in our world. Now, I'm not saying that we don't, we pray uh, privately and we, you know, we minister to the Lord in private, we read in private and all of that, but what we do, we do in the open for all to see. Hallelujah. We are not one way in church on a Sunday and then something else when we get back to work or we get back home. The Bible says that we are epistles that are written by the Holy Ghost and we are read by everybody. I mean, how else are they gonna see Jesus if they can't see him in you and if they can't read him in you, in your life? Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. So our lives are open books and I don't know about you, I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the cross. I'm not ashamed to say, yeah, I'm part of the happy clappy. I'd rather be a part of the happy clappy than part of the depressed and suicidal and morbid and, you know, and everything's coming to a gloomy end. I'd rather be part of the happy clappy. Is there anybody that would rather be part of the happy clappy? Yeah, come on, hallelujah. Now, that doesn't mean that we're not, we're not without fault. We, we are not perfect. I mean, some people are perfect, but some people, most people are not perfect. But we are open to the Holy Ghost for Him to move. And the Bible says in Him we live and move and have our being. And that part is open for all to see. Elisha's work as a plowman was open for all to see. And you know, that involves a certain vulnerability and transparency. And that's just, I believe, part of kingdom dynamics because I believe that vulnerability and transparency produces an innocence on the inside of us and a trust that we are able to trust each other. I know you're still gonna let me down and I'm gonna let you down, but we still have to have that transparency and make ourselves vulnerable. And so the Bible says that Elijah found Elisha and he came by him and throwing the mantle on him, Elijah initiated an action that had a profound impact on Elisha. Just a simple throwing of on the mantle. He didn't say anything. He just came by him. There Elisha was busy plowing. And what he did had a profound impact on Elisha. Can I tell you something, family? 
Come on, let's surround ourselves with people that will spiritually impact our life for the good. Can I get a better amen in this place? Let's surround ourselves around people that will help you find your mantle and help you pick up your mantle and help you wear your mantle. Let's surround ourselves with people that will bring the best out of you. Not around complainers and grumblers and naysayers and haters. No, not around people who talk a lot with no action. You know, they can talk the talk, but they can't walk the talk. Come on, the Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. The New Living Translation says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. The Message Bible says it like this, you use steel to sharpen steel, and one friend sharpens another. And one friend sharpens another. The Passion Translation says it takes a grinding wheel to sharpen a blade. And so one person sharpens the character of another person. Come on, man. Let's get around people who will help us grow in God. Let's get around people who will help us stay hungry and passionate for the things of God. Let's also get around people who will speak the truth to you in love. You don't want to get around people who will just tell you what you want to hear. Tell you what you want to hear. No, I don't want, to, I don't want you to tell me what I want to hear. My flesh does, and my flesh will love it, but I would much rather you speak the truth to me in love, even if it hurts me. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen in this place? Let's get around people who are there to motivate you and encourage you in God. Get around people, family, who can dream big, who have big faith, a big heart, and a big love, who themselves are hungry and passionate for the things of God. Can I get a better amen in this place? I can see some of you are going to have to, uh, you kind of, you know, computing. Okay, he's going to have to go. She's going to have to go. He can stay. She can stay. They can stay. They're definitely going to have to go. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on. I mean, just one little action had such a profound effect on Elisha. The simple putting of, on of a mantle. Hallelujah. But when Elisha received that mantle, he knew something had happened. He knew that it was a call that involved a relationship with Elijah. I want to just say it again. You know, the kingdom of God is about people. The kingdom of God is not about uh, theology and doctrine, and that's important. And when is Jesus coming and what is the system of the world? And is COVID-19 a conspiracy and all of that? And it might be, and, and I understand there is a war that is waging between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. I get it. I get it. But at the same time, the kingdom is about people. Our purposes in the kingdom are relational. Lift your hands and say, my purpose in the kingdom is connected to people. My purpose in the kingdom is relational. In other words, it involves other people. Your purpose is connected to other people. 
Lift your hands and say, my purpose in the kingdom is connected to other people, whether I like it or not. The kingdom is about people. The church is about people. And it's because God works through people. He works through relationships. We are the body of Christ, and you've heard me say it before. When you look at the human body, the human body is relational. You know, the liver has to work with the spleen and the spleen with the kidney and the kidney and the heart and the heart and the brain and the brain and the feet and the feet and the hands and the hands and the nose. Sounds like a song I want to sing. I don't know. But everything's relational in your body. When things are not relational, you get sick. You have to go to the doctor, to the quack, and you go to visit the doctor, right? Can you say amen? So everything is relational. And this relationship with Elijah involved four things. It involved, number one, a responsibility. Responsibility. I believe in this COVID-19, God has been highlighting responsibility. Come on, how responsible are we? How responsible are we? Number two, it involved accountability. It involved accountability. I'm accountable to you, and you are accountable to me. Yes, we are accountable to God, but we're also accountable to each other. Number three, it involved servanthood. Elisha didn't get that mantle and say, well, I'm now the prophet. Thank you so much, Elijah. You can now sit back. No, what did Elisha do? He served Elijah. There was a serving involved. There was servanthood involved. There was a, 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 a discipling and a mentoring that took place as Elisha served Elijah. Number four, there was trust that was forged as well. In other words, the ability to trust each other before that prophetic mantle, before the utterance came upon them, there was that trust that had to be developed and notice when the mantle was thrown upon Elijah, Elisha, notice how quickly Elisha responds. If you go to verse uh, 19, I think the last part there says, then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. And then verse 20 says, and, and Elisha left and went uh, and spent three days um, you know, watching a whole Netflix series, and then a week later, he came back and decided to do the garden, and then three months later, oh, he said, uh, what about that mantle? Is that what it says? It, then Elijah passed by and threw his mantle on him, verse 20, and he left the oxen straight away. He left the oxen and straight away ran after Elijah. In other words, Elisha was quick on the uptake. He was quick, he was decisive, he was intentional to pick up the mantle that God offered him. Hallelujah. That tells me that he was quick to respond to the things of God. Come on, I'm here to encourage you today. Whether you're at home, whether you're up in the conference center, whether you're here right now, let's be quick to respond to his presence. Let's be quick to respond to his word. Let's be quick to respond to where there's a need. Let's be quick to respond to win the lost at any cost. Hallelujah. Let's be quick to respond to love, quick to forgive, quick to bless. Hallelujah. I would much rather bless than curse. Be quick to bless. Hallelujah. 
Let's be quick to pick up the mantle, quick to do what he's called us to do, and then to never let it go, to never let it out of our sight, to hold on to it with everything that we have in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Is there anybody here that's quick to, to, today, quick to respond to God? Come on. Sometimes we have to just have a paradigm shift. We've got to get our priorities right. But let's be quick to respond, man. When we sense that call, when we sense that urge, when we sense the need to love, let's be quick to love. When, when it's time to bless, let's bless in Jesus' name. Let's not dilly-dally. Hallelujah. Bump your neighbor and say, neighbor. Don't bump your neighbor, I mean. Do not bump your neighbor. But say, neighbor, I think he's talking to you. Don't dilly-dally, but be quick to respond to God. Hallelujah. Notice also that it was Elijah who conferred the mantle upon Elisha. In other words, it took someone who was more spiritually mature and responsible to recognize and then to confer the call upon Elisha. And that's because we never confer ourselves. I know that God calls each one individually, but I also know that he works through people. And he works through his church because why? He looks for accountability. And God brings people into your life to bring accountability. Not to lord it over, not to, you know, command and jump and whatever, whatever. No, there's no Gestapo here. But it's to bring accountability. Hallelujah. It was Elijah that conferred the mantle, the call upon Elisha. Why? Because it brought accountability. And I firmly believe that if you begin well, you will end well. Lift up your hands and say, if I begin well, I will end well. In other words, Elisha stuck with Elijah. And he served him tirelessly and sacrificially. And all the time, he was under Elijah's covering, accountable all the time. So that when Elisha came and asked for a double portion, Elijah, even Elijah said, man, you've asked for a hard thing. But because you started well, you will end well. And as I said last week, if you read Elisha's account, he went on and did twice as many miracles as Elijah did. Hallelujah. And I want to say this, even though Elijah conferred the mantle upon Elisha, in the end, it was the mantle that found Elisha. Elisha never found the mantle. It was the mantle that found Elisha. And Elisha was the son of Issachar, the, of the tribe of Issachar, the son of Shaphat. And he lived in Abel Meholah at the northern end of the Jordan Valley. His age is never mentioned. But what is interesting is that he would go on to serve for 50 years, 5-0 years, over four different kings that reigned during that time. Elisha was sought. He didn't seek. He was not pushing himself into the right place with the right mantle at the right time. No, he was chosen because of the hidden man. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by the hidden man? I'm talking about the heart. 
the hidden man, the man that God finds. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Every one of us has been uniquely made by God in His likeness and in His similitude. And we've been endowed with giftings and talents and abilities. Amen. To cap all of this, He's placed in uh, in us and around us. He has a mantle that's tailor-made just for you. Has your name, your size, your fit, your type for you to wear. And that mantle is given to you by God for you and I to do something great and mighty for God. Every head bowed, every eye closed right now. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today for your mantle, for your choosing, for your looking upon us, for your endowing us with giftings and talents and abilities. Every one of us, God, I I declare that there is nobody insignificant in this place. God, no matter what might have happened, no matter what might have transpired, Lord, today we cancel the words of people that have negated the plans and purposes of people in this place. We come against every word of destruction that has come and been like an obstacle in people's ways stopping them from picking up the mantle of God. No, in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, even as we are born again, we have been recreated into your image, into your likeness, and we are children of God, and we belong to the family of God. And so I thank you today. Let there be a boldness today. Let there be a reawakening. Let there be a reminder in every heart, in every life. Oh, my God, that there is a plan and a purpose that you have for each and every one of us. That we will pick up our mantles and we will walk in that authority. We will walk in that boldness. We will walk in that blessing. We will walk in that favor to do what you have called us to do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. With every head bowed, every eye closed. See, sometimes, as I mentioned last week, there's things that have happened, and usually it's as a result of sin that we are denied or because of the condemnation and the guilt and the shame and the embarrassment that sin brings. That's how sin is designed. Sin has a purpose. There's a plan behind sin. Sin is not haphazard. There's a plan behind sin. There's a scheme behind sin. And the plan of sin is to push you down, to keep you out of the plans and purposes of God, to get you to never pick pick up that mantle, to wear that mantle. That's what sin does. And sin clothes you instead with shame, embarrassment, and guilt condemnation. But here today, in this place, those of you watching at home, those of you in the conference center, I want you to know that whatever the sin is, whatever the failure in your life is, number one, God loves you. He loves you. His loving you is not based on whether you're good or bad. He loves you because He loves you. Unconditionally, He is love, the personification of love. Number two, what you need to realize is that in that state of sin that you might find yourself, in that place of shame, embarrassment, and guilt, 
you can come as you are to God. You're saying, uh, do I have to clean myself up? Do I have to go to rehab first? What is it that I have to do? God will pick you up from that place and clean you. He will receive you unto Himself as you are in the place that you find yourself. That's the awesome thing. And then thirdly comes the cleansing and the washing as you surrender your life and as you believe that He is the way, the truth, and the life. As you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that what He did on the cross, He did for you and I. Come on, automatically, instantaneously, the miracle of all miracles happens. That sin is removed. And the Bible says that He takes that sin and He drops it into the sea of forgetfulness. Never to remember again. Isn't that amazing? God doesn't keep a record of your sin. When He forgives you and cleanses you, He remembers no longer. So today, those of you that are watching at home, here in Durban, different parts of South Africa, maybe all over the world, wherever you're from, in the conference center, right here in the Family Life Center, I want you to pray this prayer if you are ready to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name, just as I am with all of my faults, all of my failures, and all of my sin. And I ask you for forgiveness. I repent today, Lord. Right now, I believe that you are the Christ the Son of the living God. I give you my heart, my mind, my life, my everything. I surrender to you. Thank you for your blood that cleanses me and washes me. And right now, I receive your forgiveness. Right now, I receive eternal life. I'm no longer the same. I've been born again. The miracle of all miracles has taken place on the inside of me. And I am a changed person, changed for your glory. I will live for you and serve you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. If you prayed that prayer with a here, whether in the conference center, just lift up your hand and somebody will come to you. If you are here this morning and you say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer because I didn't have peace with God. I was away from God. Then just lift your hand. If you're watching at home by way of online service, then just let us know. Tell us, I prayed that prayer. I prayed that prayer. That's enough for us. We want to just love on you and just to be able to better take care of you today. I'm going to ask everybody to stand up this morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Would you lift your hands to the Lord this morning? Say after me, Father, thank you for your word that has come to me today. There is a mantle that has been tailor-made just for me. And it fits my talents, my abilities, 
my personality. It fits around my life. Every part of my life. Every aspect of my life. And today, like Elisha, I will be quick on the uptake. Quick to respond to you. Quick to love. Quick to bless. Quick to pray. Quick to worship. Quick to do whatever you've called me to do. Not by my might, but by your might. Thank you that on that mantle is an anointing. You have anointed me to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons, to do whatever is necessary. You have given me a mantle to wear right here in Durban or wherever you're watching from, right here in Durban, right here in South Africa. I choose to pick up that mantle and wear that mantle and do what you have called me to do. If Elisha could do twice as many miracles in the Old Testament, then I too can do twice as many miracles in the New Testament. In Jesus' mighty name, I believe it. I receive it right now. It is mine. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Father, as we go our various ways, thank you that you go before us. Your blessing upon every home, your blessing upon every person in this place today. We go blessed in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We love you. Until next time, God bless you. Amen.